Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. Let the word go forth. Fool me once. Are you fired up? I'm not a crook. Are you ready to go? Shame on, shame on you. It's Abe Lincoln's Top Hat, hosted by Ben Kissel. Boom, you can't get fooled again. Hey, what's up, everyone? How you doing? Ben Kissel here, hanging out with Travis Irvine. Hello, Ben. Hey, Travis and Fernando. Hello, Ben. We have a great episode for you today. We'll discuss a little bit about what's going on in the Kyle Rittenhouse trial. They are finding jurors. Also, we'll discuss what's going on in the trial of uh, the killing of Ahmad Arbery. We'll discuss what we know so far as those trials are now underway. We will also discuss what's going on with the Supreme Court. They want more guns <laughs> in New York City. That'll be kind of fun. All right, so we'll talk about that. Matthew McConaughey also, will he run for Texas governor? All right, all right, all right. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> I hope he does. Who knows what'll happen? And uh, and plenty, plenty more stories. We'll also discuss the most important story, which is this Russia stuff with the steel dossier. Remember that? It was talked about all the time. Everyone's like, P-tape, P-tape. P-tape. And it turns out, P-tape. Turns out Igor, uh, he was the main man <laughs> behind all of it. This guy, his name is Igor Dachenko. Never trust an Igor. They need to be They need to be ringing church bells and scaring women. That's all that they should be doing. I don't understand why this entire Russiagate thing was predicated upon the opinion of an Igor, <laughs> sir. If if I may, uh, Igor digs up the dead bodies for Frankenstein. That's what he does. <laughs> Whatever he does, he shouldn't be Damn. making fake dossiers that uh, then um, compel our media to lie. You know, for like three freaking years. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we'll talk about that. But before all of those fantastic tales of woe, we will discuss. What's going on with the jobs report, which is actually kind of nice. Very good. Despite the devastating loss for the Democrats in Virginia and the overall election that took place this past Tuesday, the job reports for October actually look very good. Non-farm payrolls increased by 531,000, and that actually beat the estimate by about Oh, my goodness, 80,000. They thought they were going to have 450,000 jobs in October. But again, there was 531,000. The unemployment rate fell to 4.6%, which is the lowest since the pandemic. And wages rose 0.4% for the month and were up 4.9% from a year ago. So let's start this off with a bit of a spitball question here. 
What does it mean for the Dems as, again, the devastating defeat that was Virginia and most of Tuesday? Murphy able to hold on in in, uh, in New Jersey there. But uh, when they try to get this build back better, which you know you're sober if you can say it at a DUI checkpoint, <laughs> as they try to get this bill passed, you have this jobs report. And McCarthy, of course, uh, the Republican there, made kind of an interesting point saying, do we need to pass this if the jobs report is so good? Is this a strange, like, double-edged sword for the Democrats who are, again, oh, God, it's so slow and sluggish and infuriating. The progressives were pissed for a while. Then the moderates were pissed for a while. I don't have any sympathy for Nancy Pelosi, Mm, but her life is stressful right now trying to wrangle these cats. But what do you think this means for Biden going forward and for the Dems in general going forward? Do people, does this actually resonate with people? And, uh, you know, do they get a little pat on the back when I say they? I mean, the Biden administration in this case. I certainly hope so. I mean, it is interesting. Someone on on the old CNN today said that it was kind of like a snagging defeat from the jaws of victory, right? I mean, you mentioned yes. the Tuesday elections were more or less a disaster for yep. the Democrats. Maybe not a five-alarm fire, but certainly a, a time of reflection. It's not but a five-alarm chili. It's not winning any spicy competitions, but no. it's definitely in the contest. Yes, it's one of the most boring chilies I've ever had in my life. Mm. <laughs> but I will say, um, yes, they could have used this report maybe before Tuesday. Yeah, um, obviously. Mm, that's true. It came after Tuesday. Um, and yes, you got to look at it and say the economic recovery is good. And you have to give kudos where kudos is due to the Biden administration. But then, like you said, they still have this infrastructure package that is sure to pass. Um, but then it's being dangled along with the reconciliation bill, which we're still not sure that it could pass. And I don't actually think these numbers help. Yes, as you point out, Kevin McCarthy, the Republican, very quick to go out there and say, well, if the numbers are so good. And he he also was happy to give kudos where kudos was due to the Biden administration. He was like, these are good numbers. But then he was like, why do you need the Build Back Better bill? And now what has happened is that you've mm. got moderates in Congress. Now they're asking, OK, hold on. How much is this actually going to cost? They're asking for his CBO report okay. on the reconciliation bill, which could take weeks. So everything seems to be in limbo again. So they're asking for, so they're trying to figure out how we're going to pay for this thing, right? Mm-hmm. How come that's like not talked about immediately? Why are right. we getting to the CBO now? As yes. this thing is freaking done, the ink mm. is dry. We've been talking about it ad nauseum for months as a, as a, as a whole. Why didn't they do this before? A hundred percent. The correct question to ask Ben, that is what, uh, again, today in television, everyone was asking. And, um, Biden's economic advisors were very quick to point out that they've explained how this will get paid for, right? They're raising taxes on everyone who makes over $400,000, which, you know, is not a whole lot of people in the country these days. Right. Mm -hmm. That's how, so it actually adds nothing to the deficit. They already crunched all these numbers. They just didn't necessarily go through the CBO. So it's kind of just a tactic to hold things up again by these couple of uh, the handful of moderate Democrats in the, in Congress. Oh my goodness. Right around the time of Thanksgiving. Well, what am I thankful for? 
How do you how do you get away with not running it by the you know the it's congressional budget office what we're talking yes, about right? how yes, do you get it yes. how do you even do that in the first place I can't even make a purchase without clearing it with an accountant right you know in right. any company I've ever worked for how do you, how do you do that how, it's almost like it's completely incompetent yeah well and the CBO <laughs> thankfully is still pretty competent no that I'm just saying like yeah why didn't they, yeah. the CBO but, should have somebody in the back yeah, with a rep? stupid little statistician <laughs> hat and he's like mm, now I've been crunching the numbers back here. <laughs> Yeah, it's just that's how it should happen. That's what all American families have to do when they try to make ends meet around tax time or around Thanksgiving and around Christmas. I remember my father crying during tax day. It was horrible. And that was the day you stayed away from Papa. Not that I was particularly (laughs) ever around the guy to begin with, but um, it is infuriating when you see when people, when families are struggling you know, still some of them perhaps still teaching their kids from fricking home. And then they're like, we have to make our budget. We have to budget ourselves so that we can afford it. Mm-hmm. And the government on a macro level just has these massive dreams, but with zero accountability. Right. Right. Well, and that's the point that Biden White House is trying to make. And in addition to progressives is that to continue the economic recovery, you need to have things like childcare available mm-hmm. for people who mm-hmm. want to work. You need right. to have um, uh, services available to seniors, like lowering their prescription drug costs. So if seniors mm-hmm. want to work, they feel free to do so as well. So that's kind of what their pitch is. It, again, it could just be literally a technicality from these moderate Democrats who after Tuesday and after the current jobs report, they just drop this on the progressives and the Biden administration as of today, Friday, wow. November 5th. This is according to Nick Bunker. He's an economic research director. Uh, this is what he had to say. He says, this is the kind of recovery we can get once we are not sidelined by the surge in COVID cases. He goes on, if this is the sort of job growth we will see in the next several months, we are on a solid path. Dare Mm. I say that path must maintain its uh, solidity. Mm. It must Mm. be solid going into the midterms next year, which I know are not right around the corner, but they're not, they're down the street, not too far away. So these numbers can hold. Hey, maybe it's, uh, maybe Virginia was just a bloop. And um, perhaps things can look better for the Democrats next year. Who knows? I'm I'm not so optimistic. To me, it seems like there's a lot of I people. I think that's probably appropriate. Too. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of people still on the sidelines. And when you break down, when for example, I read a little bit about this on CNN Business. They talk about how the overall uh, jobless market for black and Asian workers were unchanged in the last month. So mm. it was mostly white people getting jobs. Again, people that already ha- tend to have the support, tend to already have child care in place. Or I'm not, I mean, I, again, it's about class. It's not about race. But it is telling to me. Well, you know you what know, I say? They've been forcing us whites to work for too long. <laughs> It ain't oh, right. Brave it stance. Right. Brave stance. <laughs> but fantastic point. Is everybody sharing in the uh, uptick right. uh, of jobs? Right. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen, uh, this is what she had to say on Twitter. Uh, she says, bold fiscal policy works. She wrote, a rebound like this was never a foregone conclusion. When our administration took office back in January, there was a real risk that our economy was going to slip into a prolonged recession. Ooh, those are sexy words from Jenna Yellen. (laughs) A prolonged recession. Now our recovery is outpacing other wealthy nations. All right, well, let's move on just a little bit, but we can stick with uh, Virginia. Oh, we always stick with Virginia. James Carville, he's one of our least favorite pundits of all time, (laughs) mainly because he cares more about LSU football. 
<laughs> we, uh, Travis and I got to see him debate Sean Hannity, which was a slaughter because the one thing <laughs> right. Sean Hannity, he's not tethered to any kind of truth or anything, you know? And, uh, so he just says a bunch of stuff, but he gets the crowd going and James Carville was uh, on his phone watching LSU football the entire <laughs> yes. time, randomly yeah. screaming the aforementioned as Travis does so well. 40 points. <laughs> he literally just kept on yelling scores. And we're like, <laughs> anyway, the old timer, the Cajun, the crazy Cajun, the raging Cajun, Democratic longtime political strategist. He blamed Virginia for, quote, stupid wokeness. This is what he had to say. Now, I am not sure if stupid wokeness is to blame. But anyway, this is what he said. And Travis, please read it in the best Carville voice. And we're wrong. It's just stupid wokeness. Don't just look at Virginia New Jersey. Look at Long Island. Look at Buffalo. Look at Minneapolis. Here, even look at Seattle, Washington. I mean, this defund the police lunacy. They take Abraham Lincoln's name off of schools. I mean, like people see that. It just really has a suppressive effect all across the country on a Democrat. Some of these people need to go to a woke detox center or something. <laughs> they express a language that people just don't use. And there's backlash and a frustration at that. And oh my God, energy football, 14 bars. So he's <laughs> attempting to say that the Democrats are out of touch. And he uh, says it in one of the most out of touch possible touch ways. <laughs> of course, uh, kind of woke. The term woke is mm. it's a it's a four letter word. Right. And it's loaded. Right. Like there's a lot of people who are like, you must be woke. And it's like, no, I just want more people out of prison, you know, because they were wrongfully incarcerated for drugs. Right. That's not woke. You know, <sighs> so I feel like there's a lot of I don't even know. Like, what do you when you hear the term woke, Fernando, what does that mean to you? I mean, I think it is kind of a, a, a pejorative in some ways. It's but what is it? What does being woke mean? Who is saying it is so important because, yeah. again, yeah. The, it's like, a, for example, snowflake. I talk about snowflakes. They sound beautiful. But sure. when, a, when a possibly a right wing conservative person says snowflake, that's an insult. So when I say woke, I'm trying to acknowledge that you as a person can, can you know, are seeing things from objectively from outside yourself. But when hmm. possibly someone else might say woke, it's an insult. They're trying to say, oh, you're too you're too conscious. You're too objective. Maybe. I don't know. Could be. I don't know. What do you think uh, of wokeness is? What is what is woke? Oh, well, when I say it, I'm usually referring to Ben, and he's actually awake to do the show. Thank you very much. Thank you. He has awoke. <laughs> he has awoke. We're going to work now, boys. Yep, I sleep and I work. That's it. Hey. And work. when I work, I'm woke. That's the kind American of, there dream. You go. Right there. there you go. Yeah, Carville goes on to say, he says, wokeness is the problem, and everybody knows it. <laughs> I just, there were so many issues in Virginia. You know, education was the problem. There was just, yes. So he's just kind of using this broad terminology to blame wokeness as a concept on the Democrats defeat in Virginia, even though we all know it's very it's much more tangible than that. Exactly. Yes. And you may remember, Ben, um, before Carville bombed uh, facing off against Sean Hannity, he was being booed when he was facing off against the Justice Democrats, uh, the, the Kyle right. Kalinskis and, and that crowd. And people were actually booing him because he was saying the same things. He was just he was saying that getting more progressive is not going to win you elections when you deal with independents and maybe Republicans who want to vote Democrat to get away from Trump. It's so I understand what he's saying, but again, I don't always understand what he's saying because he can't understand what he's saying. Literally can't do it. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I do think his time has come and gone. I'm not sure what uh, I'm not sure other than 92 and 96. I'm not sure who he has helped elect. 
Right. Uh, no one, I don't believe. So I'm not even really sure why James Carville is still on the talk show so much. As I guess mm. maybe he knows, um, you know, what producers have had sex with what children, <laughs> and therefore he's able to get on the show. As I don't know. Maybe he was talking about how we get lost in the weeds of this. Of this I debate. agree with that, and, you but know, that's not I, what happened in Virginia. Exactly. I'm saying I, 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 maybe that's what he was trying to say, but that is not at all what happened during this cycle. It's we get lost in the weeds. It's to distract. It's not. It doesn't lose. Uh, right. If anything, uh, McAuliffe wasn't the woke candidate when it comes to what happened in Loudoun County. Right. Uh, the cover up. I mean, that's it would be woke to say that was a cover up mm-hmm. and that is systemic. That's one of the systemic issues we're facing right. when it comes to right. sex crimes being shuffled off to another school district because the one school district didn't want to freaking deal with it. Right. And this just highlights more of what the Democrats have been dealing with and are probably going to have to continue to deal with. And that is, again, you know, you watch CNN on election night, their first reaction is Democrats lose. How can progressives be blamed? And that's more <laughs> or less the same the same avenue that Carville's coming at it from. Is yeah, it, it is, is weird. Would you say it's like an also an anti higher education thing? Because to me, I associate wokeness also with people with college degrees are woke. You know, does does that kind of make sense? What I'm trying to equate here? Yeah, it might be a little bit of that, and I could understand if that was the complaint that the Democrats are speaking from their ivory tower. Yeah, and not relating sure. to people. I'd say, oh, okay, that kind of makes sense. Perhaps that's something he was attempting to infer again i have no idea what the mind <laughs> what the mouse trap of that is the mind of james carville looks like i have no idea what he means when he talks i'm all trying to find a reason i gave two decent reasons why he, right now i might have meant but he did not say that he, he just didn't say it right no he's just trying to make a talking point because <laughs> again anyway and now we're talking about him so technically he worked, it worked. <laughs> just lastly on uh on so anyway so carville i don't but, don't listen to James yeah, Carville. Yeah, right. I mean, you can listen to him and kind of laugh. And sometimes yeah. he might stumble. From a history perspective, I would love if he talked about, you know, the 90s and the 80s. Right. He, yeah. just doesn't, need, he doesn't need to be uh, not a five five. He does not need to bring it into today. We <laughs> right. do not need any new music from uh, from Carville. Just play the hits, brother. Just play the hits. It's the he, economy, stupid. That was him. That was great. That was him. Sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Also, just to clarify one thing when it comes to Loudoun County, Youngkin actually lost Loudoun County. Interestingly enough, Terry McAuliffe was able to win that. That is a correction. However, of course, that had uh, rippling effects throughout the state, what occurred in Loudoun County. But it's just kind of an interesting thing, uh, a uh, interesting election result there. Okay. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts. Addiction plays hardball. He would hit me with these verbal attacks. I just said to him, I love you so much. You're such an amazing person. I can't take this ride anymore. It was the fact that dad made that sentiment and broke down. And years later, he told me it had a huge impact on him. Sometimes doing what's right for your loved one is the hardest thing to do. Karen is that right thing. Visit caron.org slash lost.
Let's move on and talk about this Steele dossier. Speaking of Politicon, we saw James Conway being interviewed by uh, the Nicole woman, Wallace. Nicole Wallace. She's so useless. Anyway, and so is James. James Comey isn't useless. Technically, he's very. What's the opposite of useful in like the most destructive sense? Like he was used. He was used as a political pawn by both sides in 2016. And he loved it. He loved so. being a utensil. If he <laughs> yeah. was, if he could choose anything to be in life, he was like, let me be a spoon. Ooh, I think he's more of a fork. Mm, well, he definitely put a fork in Hillary Clinton's campaign. Boom. One of the things that she consistently brought up with James Comey was the P tape. Okay. Which is, again, one of the saucier things <laughs> that came out. This, unfortunately, was talked about 24-7, seven days a week, 31, 29, 30 days a month. And it distracted the American people from what was going on. And I, it just did such a massive disservice to our news and to people mm-hmm. trusting our news because they see that the Steele dossier, mm-hmm. as we're finding out now, was completely bogus. And they ran with it as if it was fact. Mm-hmm. I don't know how anyone can believe anything they see, specifically on the pontificating talk shows. Your your Maddow's, Handy's, mm-hmm. Lemons, you know, where it's just 100% opinion. They don't even, well, I guess they try to couch it as news, but Cuomo ain't telling you the truth. <laughs> right. Special counsel John Durham's indictment of Igor Dachenko. Now, Igor Dachenko is the principal source for the Steele dossier. Now, the Steele dossier was used by the FBI as a basis for the Trump-Russia investigation, which cost millions mm-hmm. and millions of dollars. Now, of course, we remember Donald Trump being the maniac that he is, was actively courting Putin's love. Right. So that's sort of one of those situations where I believe it was Chip O'Neill. It was one of those old timeies, old timer farts who mentioned how anytime you can have a narrative confirmed. And in this case, the narrative is Donald Trump really loves Vladimir Putin. Exactly. And he wishes he was that horse. Vlad doesn't ride horses with a shirt. He refuses to do it because he's the real stallion. (laughs) So because of that, because we have Trump saying, go find the emails. And then because we have Trump, you know, meeting with him behind closed doors Mm -hmm. without having any freaking person there to record it on our end. With when Donald Trump agreed with Putin over, (laughs) you know, the only over the U.S.'s own intelligence state. We have all of these things that happened that, again, put some logs on the fire of Russia gate. But now we are finding out that the initial steel dossier was just complete and utter political trash. And Igor Dachenko is now facing five counts of lying to the FBI in interviews in 2017. So the Bureau, apparently it was trying to, you know, uh, trying to verify the allegations, trying to figure out what's true and what's not. And by the end of it, they just said, hey, we can't, dude. You just straight up lied. The Clinton campaign also complicit in the lie. They are one of the main um, spreaders of Russiagate. Of course, some sour grapes after that horrendous election (laughs) that was 2016. So what do you guys think this means? You know, Trump, um, as he comes back and roars his strange little head again and, you know, can kind of claim Virginia as a victory, even though by definition it kind of proves otherwise. What does this mean? Do you think that people are like, because 
Trump has so many self-inflicted wounds to begin with. His Twitter account, number one. Just <laughs> him as a person, such a freaking scumbag. You know, everyone, people who vote for him think that. Um, but does this, does this, uh, I don't know, validate his complaints? And does this help him going forward? Well, let's keep in mind that this whole thing is coming about because of the Durham probe, uh, which was begun under the Trump um, DOJ. Okay. So, so that is kind of where this is coming from. So, but yes, it's, it's, it's like anything you want your reports to be verified. You want them to be true. And, you know, we've seen plenty of progressive journalists, Matt Taibbi, uh, Max Blumenthal, Aaron Mate, they've all gone after the Russia investigation the same way you've talked about today, that it, it was a distraction. It was never fully verified. Um, you're right. Cable news hosts like Rachel Maddow ran with it, made lots of advertising dollars. Their ratings went really up as they yeah. kind of broke down the whole Russia uh, allegations. But at the end of the day, like we saw Matt Taibbi just a few weeks ago and Bill Maher basically still saying, no, it was never anything. Now he's vindicated, isn't he? A hundred percent. And it's it's a disservice to the Democrats because what they should have been doing after 2016 is, again, looking at why they lost and how they lost. And again, right. the, the out of touch wokeness or whatever it may be. And instead, for four years, we were talking about Russia. Yeah, it's what he what Mr. Trump was saying all along. The media is out to get me. They'll do anything. You know, CNN, New York Magazine, Rachel Maddow. And so this it's just confer- it's that confirmation bias, but for the right wing, for the then the conservatives, right. for the pro Trump, there was like, "We told you this is it," and now you have to eat your words. It w- it does strengthen him. It yeah. does. It, yeah. It it really puts a, you know, Trump was right all along. Now, I mean, now if something goes wrong with with some something on the vaccine end or something, it's just going to feed more and more narrative. Right, and it's just sad because uh, as people continue to distrust our institutions, exactly, they go mm-hmm. to YouTube. And now all of a sudden the earth is flat and then the flat earthers are like, I'm sorry, it is a rectangle. Um, (laughs) And then we just continue to, you know, lose any kind of reality that we can all cling to, which is how you make a society. You believe in certain truths and then you kind of go from there. But now that there are no there are no certain truths, are there? Right. I mean, and basically by embracing a conspiracy theory, Democrats have now emboldened the actual conspiracy theorists on, exactly. on, all, on the right. I mean, yeah, yeah if, if Trump was still on Twitter today, woo, woo. this would be all he'd be tweeting about. Good Clowns Lord. to the left of me, jokers to the right. And here we are stuck in the middle again. Steele's uh, main source, again, Christopher Steele, he was the British spy. Uh, he was also the principal author of the obviously the Steele dossier. Igor Dechenko, of course, he was the main source. He was a Russian native. He was based in the U.S., and he worked at the Brookings Institution. Now, the Brookings Institution, I'm sure many people have heard it. It's a Washington think tank. Basically, it's where people go to, like, collect a paycheck and sit on their asses. I don't know why you have to go. Like, I I used to be like, ooh, think tank. I wonder what they're doing in there. But they don't do anything. No, they're not thinking. They're, no, they're not, not thinking, thinking, and they're not thinking. They're tanking? Yeah, they're yeah. not thinking. Yeah. I'm going to say no tank you. Anyway. Talk about someone who, like, I work nine to five. I work at a think tank. Like, no, you don't. You don't work, do you? You think. We all have to think. Everyone has to think and work. <laughs> right. Mm, right. Anyway. I do most of my thinking in the tub, not the tank. No kidding. 
Send me a picture next time. (laughs) Yeah, I see a couple of bubbles there. He's tooting. Washington think tank, uh, the Brookings Institution, the president of this Washington think tank is Strobe Talbot. God, what a name. Didn't think to change it, I guess. Strobe, a name that'll give you a seizure. (laughs) Um, He is college friends with Bill Clinton. And uh, he, of course, he also worked worked at the Clinton State Department. Uh, So at Brookings, Dechenko worked with Fiona Hill, who is also someone that many people are hashtagging on Twitter. Arrest Fiona Hill. I don't know. I never follow the hashtags. It was through Hill that Dechenko became acquainted with Steele. And then uh, that is where all of this began. That was the beginning of what became the Steele dossier. Uh, He fabricated the claim that the president of the Russian American Chamber of Commerce informed him that in 2016, Trump was involved in a well-developed, quote, conspiracy of cooperation with Vladimir Putin. And again, this is all because or allowed to perhaps become so solidified in the minds of people. Journalists are supposed to, you know, do journalism and figure out if it's true or not, but they just went with it. But it got solidified because, of course, Trump himself didn't do himself any favors with his (laughs) open love for Vladimir Putin. Sergey Millen, he wrote a book called Ball of Collusion. <laughs> oh, it's like the, um, oh gosh, that the old Tom Green special. song. Yes. Yeah, the Tom yeah, right. Green special when he had testicular cancer and he showed all of us his nut. You ever see that? Uh, I wiped it from my memory, but I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, I'm sure you did. <laughs> Tom Green. Uh, so, he, uh, so he wrote this book, Ball of Collusion, and uh, he says that the Steele dossier was, quote, Fake news created by sick minds. <laughs> but of course, there's nothing sick about the mind. They know exactly what they're doing. And as Travis said, they saw a lot of eyeballs on their product, which led to a lot of money in their advertising, which led to them continuing down the four, three and a half, four year saga that was the steel dossier. We could have been talking about so much stuff that. You know, on this show, we were talking about. <laughs> so hopefully people uh, remember that again. You can, We can't trust these people. Take You can't take them at face value because they're not working for you. They are working for the ad dollars. And uh, I don't even know why Rachel Maddow needs them anymore. Obviously, it's for the network, not for her. But right. she is one rich gal. And I'm not, uh, I'm not uh, demonizing her for that. But I don't think she's earned it. <laughs> then again, has Sean Hannity? None of them have, really. So right. It is what right. it is. It's par for the course. Right. No, the only journalist who's vindicated here, like we mentioned before, Matt Taibbi, uh, and a handful of other progressive journalists who, after 2016, they're like, Democrats have bigger problems right now than Russia and Trump. This is a quote from Taibbi's, uh, Taibbi's Substack.com. Uh, this quote's really good. He says, Russiagate is already a sizable boil on the face of American journalism, but the indictment of Dushenko has the potential to grow the profession's embarrassment to fantastic dimensions. So again, if we can't have any agreement on truth, it's really difficult to have a society. You know, I, I, I'm sure there was a lot of misinformation being spread back in the day. But there is something sort of romantic about having one show at 5 p.m. where you would go and receive the news and then everyone would look at it and then they would be like, that was the news. 
And now, of course, uh, that one thing is everybody's individual Twitter feed or Facebook mm. pages or parlors <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> I mean, the first thing we have to do whenever talking to somebody about politics, whenever you do, you the first thing you do have to do is be like, so where are we getting? The, well, like, what's the starting base? So now we know where to go, because mm. if I find out they're going to get all their news from parlor, I know for a fact we are four minutes away from talking about goblins. right 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 and pizza gate and pizza gate i i mean i get asked when i talk about the podcast they immediately ask left or right wing and it never occurred to me that there was that many right wing we're the fucking plane in the middle we're We're, the ones that have everybody sitting there be like i hope these wings hold up (laughs) yeah because otherwise this whole thing is crashing into the ocean (laughs) (sighs) all right so we'll keep you up to date on what goes on with uh with the shinko igor can't believe a fucking Igor. Of course like, an Igor did this. It's like Matt for them over there, Ben. You know, it's like Jose. He was over here. It's like Jose for over you know, here. Yeah, you know? And, and again, Igor. Strobe uh, and Igor did this to us. <laughs> Two people yeah. that I've never, I've never met an Igor and I've never met a Strobe. <laughs> right, right, right. Strobe is a seizure-inducing human. And of course, Igor used to dig up, in a literary sense, used to dig up dead bodies to steal parts. And I'd say that, Basically, he dug up this steel dossier as well. <laughs> mm-hmm. Bare bones at best, I suppose. All right. Well, speaking of oh, journalism, mm. discussing how far we've come, maybe robots should just do it from now on. Yeah. Okay. Miami Herald <laughs> has hired a new robot, and this is an actual robot that writes. I love it. It's kind of funny. <laughs> I, don't, I mean, they can't do any worse. And he's not doing anything wrong. He just writes about a house, that, a property that's sold. He can't. There's no like. <laughs> and there's no emotional involvement, Ben. There's no. That's like, true. He can't, he can't spin this. You know. That's a good point. Wait, hear me out. Let's put a. Uh, let's mount a gun on his back. What do you say? <laughs> the pen is mightier than the sword, my friend. And perhaps <laughs> this robot will teach us that. So there's a veteran reporter, apparently uh, this journalist, Rene Rodriguez, he announced on October 10th that he had published his final byline for the Miami Herald. He'd worked there since 1989. Wow. Wow. How times have changed. (laughs) And then as soon as he did that, they're like, all right, cool. We got your replacement. It's the Miami Herald bot, which is sort of for him. It's got to be kind of an insult, right? Where it's like, oh, a robot can do my job. Okay. I should have been fired years ago. Maybe they treated him like Milton from Office Space and just haven't been paying him. Right. Uh, we were hey, good news. We replaced you with this orangutan smoking a cigar. Oh, that would be fun. I wish that the news was fun. only written by orangutans. That's why I want to replace me eventually. All right, I can make it happen. At one fifty-five p.m. on October fifteenth, the bot published its first article on the site. It's entitled "North Miami Beach, Florida House Sells." For 2.4 million. And just two minutes later, it impressively published two stories at once. And it <gasps> says Miami, Florida condominium sells for 5.4 million. And the other one, Sunny Isle Beach, Florida home sells for 2.6 million. And those were both at 1.57 p.m. <laughs> It's there just, you go. It's a hardworking robot. It's a hardworking robot. He'll, he'll tell you what's going on with the housing in Miami. And it's not replacing Mr. Rodriguez. They're doing separate jobs. Mr. Rodriguez, I believe, wrote entertainment. OK, okay. good. And this 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 robot's just doing again real estate sales, which is fine. I've been an intern at a, at a publishing place. This is the crappiest job ever. So the robot <laughs> should be doing it. Yeah, until he gets freaking pissed. 
humans have a history of shooting up offices and we're very much biological creatures. This bot, that's what's going to lead it. That's good. That's what the, the war is going to begin over somebody eating a bot's Krispy Kreme. Oh, and the no. bot, it was his freaking birthday. Or maybe the bot, maybe he likes to eat fish at lunch. Oh, man. Mm. I'm a bot. I only eat shrimp. I only oh, microwave no. fish. She oh, is going to lead to violence. So anyway, this is according to uh, an editor's note. They say. Artificial intelligence software that analyzes structured information from prominent real estate data providers and applies it to its templates created by journalists in the newsroom. That's what the bot is. So he says we are experimenting with this and other ways of providing more useful content to our readers and subscribers. Um, Yeah. So they're typically he writes typically two short paragraphs. And um, it seems like the bot has favored words such as fetched. And roomy. Ooh, <laughs> so, nice so the bot likes the words fetched and roomy. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, yeah. He's already uh, preparing to be a robot dog. I love it. Yeah. But uh, there's sometimes the bot's articles don't make any sense. On November 1st, the bot published a story under the headline, Brickle Area, Florida House, sells for 825000 However, it had nothing to do with Brickle and rather the sale on the 7700 block of Northwest 161 Street Terrace was 15 miles to the northeast of Opalaka. Fake so news. Isn't, isn't he's that already interesting publishing thing? fake news. Next thing you know, he's publishing a dossier about Brickle. <laughs> he peed on me and I, I had a power. Uh, I had a I, I electrocuted. No. I will say, you guys know um, I have a degree from Columbia Journalism School. I'm still paying for it. And I won't shut up about it. No, as, as long as, as you yeah. owe them tens of thousands Valid. of dollars. Yes. The whole is, reason you got it is so that you can say that. And now these robots are coming along and they didn't spend anything. It's a little upsetting, but yeah. I can only imagine. I mean, I graduated in 2012. I had these old school newspaper, you know, uh, professors, kind of oh, like yeah. Mr. Rodriguez. They've been writing for newspapers for years. They were having trouble with paywalls and how do we make money if it's not in paper anymore dude i god help them with meet mr miami herald bot i mean good grief talk about an industry that has been hit hard in the new era of technology but let's not forget the printing press when it came out did it not destroy people as well it It was a bit like i've been hand scribing my newspaper for 40 years now they can just print it about lazy (laughs) I'm looking forward to Miami Herald Bot's new show on MSNBC, replacing <laughs> Rachel Maddow with his new show, Brickle House. Brickle House. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, Nicole Wallace will be doing that. Never forget, if you are an MSNBC head out there, she is a Bush Republican. There is no, uh, there is no left wing in this. There's a left wing, but there's no true progressive democracy. Mm. Now, is as close now. as it gets, and. Uh, Dare I say, it's hard to find on cable. Oh, so hard. Yes. All right. Well, speaking of misinformation and what that leads to, the January 6th attack, we all saw that. That is not fake news. That is very, very real. Uh, There was one woman. Did you guys hear about this story? This one woman, she was outside of the Capitol Mm -hmm. and she she was like super cocky. She bragged. Her name is uh, Jennifer Lee Ryan. And she was outside of a broken window and she was giving the peace sign because I guess she doesn't know what, what that means. And she said that she was never going to get arrested because she was white and blonde and that nothing they could ever do to her. They would never find her and they would always love her. But it turns uh. out um, 
she got arrested then and she oh. is looking at some time this she said she was never going to go to jail because she is white has blonde hair has a good job nonetheless she was sentenced on thursday to two months behind bars so certainly not the largest prison sentence in the history of the world and dare i say had things looked a little bit differently that day with a different group of people protesting i'm sure the sentence would have been a lot longer uh can I go deep into the story? Because I read, uh, I read a little bit and uh, apparently she's a realtor from Texas. Oh, she took a private jet to the Capitol riot on a date. So she was invited there through a Facebook from a, str- uh, a stranger wow. on Facebook invited her. Hey, okay. let's go to the riot. Hold on a second. <laughs> Ro- oh, most no. romantic date or least romantic date of all time. They tried oh. to overthrow the government on their first date. That's, that's romantic. Love. That's, love. Love. Yeah. that's love. You're right. <laughs> so, I mean, and then. The what guy- are these? How are you that upset? <laughs> you flew on a private jet. I have never. Oh, I flew one time on a private jet. It was for a very good reason because we had to get home. But this is like, how were these people that mad? There's another detail. Okay. He dumped her <gasps> shortly after, <laughs> like he hours did. later. So Kat, he, he rioted with her. Gets her to become a, 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 a criminal, a, sure. Yeah, yeah. Convicted, yeah. Convicted, and then just, yeah, we're done. Ghosts. <laughs> wow, we ghosted no. her. Oh, wow. she is going to have fun in jail, though. She'll just have two months of nonstop hot action. I've seen the documents. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. He ghosted her faster than Trump ghosted all those people who stormed <gasps> the Capitol. Oh, oh He yes. left her for another woman at the riot at the riot there was another he met his real girl. love of his life at the riot <laughs> and her yeah, name this. is representative marjorie taylor green wow isn't that nice i want to talk to this guy i want to talk to this I... guy who pulled two women at an insurrection <laughs> oh man I mean, this seriously. dude is cool <laughs> he must have some kind of charm that's a good point he managed to get laid while storming the white house or storming the capitol rather <laughs> Because they were upset of who was going to be living in the White House. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. Hey, Mom. First things first, thank you. It's my one-year anniversary of my decision to say, yes, I need help, and yes, I choose me. And that's the miracle. I'm lucky that the strongest person I know is my own mother. Love you, Mom. Maxwell. Be that strong person who makes the difference. If your loved one is struggling with drugs and alcohol, Reach out to Karen for a different kind of addiction treatment. Visit caron.org slash lost. All right. Well, you mentioned Texas. Uh, Matthew McConaughey, he is still kind of hinting around a third-party candidate run. And that leaves our theory, and now it's ours because we've said it on the show, Mm -hmm. and no one else can freaking take it. (laughs) It leads our theory that he might be the number one candidate for the forward party. Andrew Yang. That's what I still oh. think could happen. If if McConaughey runs with the forward party, you got the Andrew Yang who does have name recognition. And mm-hmm. in, despite we can forgive what happened in New York, he does have a base. And I think his message 
when he stays on message mm. and doesn't try to run a horribly speaking of silly wokeness, that actually may have been what hurt him in uh, in New York because he literally just got off message. It's just stay on message, Andrew, because mm. that's what people care about. Right. We no one mm. wants any. I don't care anymore about all of the exterior things. Tell me what you're going to do to make our country move forward. And that's exactly what he's been doing. So Matthew McConaughey said he might run for governor of Texas, potentially as a third party candidate next year. Uh, He has said this consistently. And if anyone out there knows Matthew, because he doesn't return my phone calls, um, let's see what's going on. I would love if he would run with the forward party. And it seems to fit right in with his brand. You know, yeah. and it, you know, I think it has potential to you know, really uh, bring out a lot of votes in Texas. Absolutely. Don't forget uh, another uh, great president who originally ran with a third party and his name was Lincoln. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I think he's doing it right. He's, you know, he's already setting up slogans. He's already like kind of establishing without saying I'm running. Mm-hmm. He's already kind of laying his base down. He's really feeling it out without if he never runs then he's not a sore loser does that kind of get get where i'm going i think like, he's yeah. doing a good job yeah. he's dipping his toe in mm-hmm. i'm sure he has a, a series of different people helping him out at this point and mm-hmm. uh, we'll see what happens i mean and he's already leaning better he he talked about women's right to choose he's already leaning better on a lot of things you know absolutely he, so and, and that is not stupid wokeness. That is not. No. That, that, is, no. that is just correct thinking. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Democrats uh, love him. They want him um, because they love him and Republicans love him because they want to be him. So he could find that middle ground. He could. And I, you know, you look at Abbott. I have no idea how that man has been able to be governor for as long as he has because nobody likes him. Uh, the people outside of Austin do vote. They yeah. vote, but yeah. even then they don't like them. <laughs> they just vote for them because they, they like them better than the other guy, I guess. Yeah. Anyway, so we'll keep you up to date on what Matthew McConaughey does. Speaking of, uh, well, I guess abortion, but in this case, we'll talk about the Supreme Court. Uh, this is an interesting uh, situation happening right now regarding gun rights. A majority of Supreme Court justices indicated this past Wednesday that they believe Americans generally have the right to carry a handgun outside the home for self-defense and that a New York law requiring special justification for getting such a permit is too restrictive. Um, It was about a two-hour argument and several expressed concerns about allowing those with concealed weapons in sensitive areas, such as stadiums, crowded public events, or places where alcohol is served. However, the court's six conservative justices expressed varying levels of support for the two individuals and the National Rifle Association affiliate challenging New York's requirement. Um, This requirement was enacted over a century ago. And of course, uh, New York had a bit of a history with violence there in the uh, in the 90s and early 2000s and, of course, the 80s. So this is what they had to say. They say, um. For those who want to carry a concealed weapon for self-defense, they need to show a, quote, special need for self-protection distinguishable from that of the general community. According to Chief Justice Roberts, um, he seems to be weighing in on the side of uh, the NRA. Of course, you never know until it's all done, but this is what he had to say. He says, the idea that you need a license to exercise the right, I think it is unusual in the context of the Bill of Rights. Kavanaugh wrote, why isn't it good enough to just say I live in a violent area and I want to be able to defend myself? And of course, um, 
Justice Antonin Scalia, his decision in District of Columbia v. Heller struck down a law that severely restricted gun ownership. And I believe that was in, uh, in of course, the District of Columbia in Washington, D.C. So it looks like gun advocates might get a victory and uh, you might be allowed to uh, conceal and carry in New York City. What do you guys think this means for incoming governor now or incoming mayor rather? Eric Adams, what a uh, different city he will have mm. to govern if concealing right. carry goes through. Well, with New York, it's it's interesting because obviously, Ben, you and I have the perspective that we dealt with during your campaign in 2017 and based on your, your jury service where, you know, mandatory minimums when it comes to gun laws Three and, and a things half like years. that, sometimes they hurt minority communities. Absolutely. So Absolutely. This almost comes a situation of, well, what if you you know, are a, a minority and you live in a minority community and you do just genuinely want to protect your home. Of course, in New York City, I believe all guns are illegal, mm-hmm. uh, you know, after a certain size of the snub gun, for example, snub. that you talked about. Um, so I don't know. I got mixed feelings on it. It's one of those ACLU issues where it's like you got to defend uh, abortion rights, but then you got to also defend gun rights. You know, this is one of those areas where uh, everyone hates the libertarian at the party. So I well, will I show def- myself out. Yeah. Well, uh, no, please stick <laughs> around for a little while. We're having uh, ice cream later. <laughs> oh, um, yeah, it'll be fun. Yeah. But the interesting thing, I guess, is the courts weighing in on this. Right. Mm-hmm. And, yes, yeah. you know, New York, it is it's a special situation. New York City subways are jam packed. Yeah. Do I think that everyone should have a gun on a jam packed New York City subway I'm for public go, safety no. reasons? I'm no. Gonna, how many fights have you and I seen break out on subways? Of course. Just and it's just all the, the time. And if a bullet flies in a subway, mm. it's, there's a lot of damage that can happen. I mean, we are talking literal fish in a barrel. But I also understand the importance of the Second Amendment and the right for the uh, and the and the right to bear arms and the right for self-protection. I, I just wonder if a blanket policy of anyone can conceal and carry in New York City is the right approach, because I do not think the New York City subway system, for example, a commuter line where people mm-hmm. are going to work, sometimes living there, uh, sometimes they're going home from a party. There's just a lot of different people getting on the same little confined space for very different reasons. And I think it might lead um, to, you know, to unwanted death and, uh, you know, and have it speaking of, uh, you know, speech, almost a chilling effect on speech as well. If all of a sudden everyone's armed. Right. Right. I mean, hell, I might not pipe up if I see something bad going down. You know what I'm talking about? That's exactly my concern, especially uh, when there's alcohol involved. You know, we're talking about ballparks and situations like that. That's just scary to me. Dude, the Jets. I don't trust a Jets fan with a gun. (laughs) They just got crushed yesterday by the Colts. I mean, they're probably all just going to do it. Commit suicide. I don't know. This horrible day for a janitor at uh, at Jet Stadium. I definitely, you know, the subway is a scary place. I was in it for the first time this past week. I definitely don't want anyone on there having a gun. Right. There's a lot of a bar. I don't want anyone at any bar I've ever been to to have a gun. That being said, three and a half year mandatory minimums, I think is completely unconstitutional. And as Travis said, they just used it. They would plant a lot of weapons exact, yes. and you're guaranteed to get someone away for three and a half years. So you've done your job in feeding the prison industrial complex, the jail industrial complex. So there, it is a, it is a, um, this is not a, you know, one-sided, no, one sided, one, one side not. sees all, because I do think that people should have the right to protect themselves in their homes as well. Mm-hmm. But perhaps there can just be a caveat for public safety reasons not to allow conceal and carry on a subway. I just don't. 
you know, think that that's uh, going to lead to to safety. But I don't know. Yeah. But, but then again, you know, the Second Amendment never says that it's only supposed to be honored when everything is, you know, in the perfect situation. I don't know. It's it's a uh, it's flawed in its own right. Yeah, sure. And of course, incoming uh, mayor, Eric Adams, your former opponent. I don't know if I trust him with a gun right now. I can barely trust him with a car, apparently. <laughs> so I don't know. Let's see where this goes. From a criminal justice perspective, I believe that uh, I am fine with doing away with the mandatory minimums. The amount of racial bias in, in the gun laws in New York Absolutely. and in L.A. Um, is unbelievable. You know, when it comes to I believe it was the Sullivan Act. In the 60s, um, I believe L.A. was the Sullivan Act. Either way, there was two special acts, one in New York and one one in L.A. And the one in L.A. took place as soon as, you know, black people got guns. And as soon as they started to defend their their mm-hmm. their communities, all yes. of a sudden, it's the gun right. was bad. Yep. Keep in mind, the NRA in the 60s was originally for gun control. Why? Because black people mm-hmm. started getting guns. Yep. And that, that was when, that was the one time you saw the NRA in favor of gun control. They didn't so. like the Black Panthers and stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. That's using right. their rights to own a gun. They and of really course the, exactly. N- the, the NRA has a horrible history and I, the NRA, uh, the, the real scandal they could have talked about in 2016 was the $20 million that was given to the NRA by Russians that was then funded to the Republican party. Mm. Yeah. That yeah, would have been a bigger something scandal. That, yes. <laughs> and, and verified. It's and a verified, verified yeah. scandal. Yeah. The NRA is a money laundering scheme. Of course. I would love to know what their bill. I would love to see. The, the books. It's a worldwide money laundering scheme. They try yeah. to get people in Australia elected everywhere. They're everywhere. Of course, Australia, they uh, have no guns whatsoever. And I wonder, I wonder if that is allowed for some of the policies to go forward there. I mean, it's, it's people really do take it very seriously. And I think it's hard for other people who aren't from here. Mm-hmm. People that own guns in this country right. literally are like, when the government comes for me, <laughs> I'm going to kill them. And everyone's like, you got that right. right. <laughs> but it is confusing because it is like can be a little unnerving as well. But it is it is unfair and unconstitutional for someone in Brownsville uh, that has a firearm on them to be sentenced and tried, uh, tried and sentenced to multiple years in prison. Will somebody in, um, you know, Virginia or Mississippi can have the exact same gun on them and nothing, you know, and there is no charge. It's the same thing that I feel about the drug laws. These things just need to be federal because it it ain't right. And I'm sorry if a couple of prisons have to close or dare I say become schools. (sighs) That might be nice. Mm. They're huge. I don't know. That kind of bothers me. Let's make them Walmarts. Okay, fine. Yeah. Oh, okay. That was a game we used to play on road trips, school or prison. It was always a prison. <laughs> oh man, driving from uh, driving from Phoenix to L.A. Yes, there's like three of them. Mm-hmm. One, I think it's on Needles Road, <laughs> and um, man, it's fucking scary, dude. Uh, don't pick mm-hmm. up hitchhikers, they say. <laughs> oh yeah. Do any hitchhikers work in this country? No. <laughs> All right. Um. Let's talk a little bit about what's going on. Speaking of gun violence in the uh, case of Kyle Rittenhouse. So apparently one of the jurors has been booted because he made a racist joke about, you know, cops killing black people, which is probably Uh. not the joke to make on any trial. But especially this one, the juror had an ill attempt at humor, which, of course, he did because it's Kenosha, Wisconsin. (laughs) And I love the Midwest. They, they love their comedy <laughs> and sometimes not everything needs like a punchline. So he's been ousted. Uh, Blake, of course, was less left paralyzed after he was shot uh, by officers. This is according to Schroeder, 
who I believe is the judge. He says, it appears that the appearance of bias, <laughs> it appears that the appearance of bias is present and it would seriously undermine the outcome of the case. So, wow. so that in itself would be sufficient charge for discharge. Uh, the juror responded by saying, my feeling is it has nothing to do with the case. He declined to retell the joke when asked to. <laughs> <laughs> You know the joke sucks or it's really, really bad when you won't repeat it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, this is, by the way, the joke went around. This is according to uh, prosecutor Thomas Binger. He says, this was the joke. He says, why did the Kenosha police shoot Jacob Blake seven times? You want the punchline? Because they ran out of bullets. Oh, Raffle. Yeah, maybe wow. that man should not have been on that trial. Binger said, the joke is in bad taste. There are a plethora of bad jokes out there. Uh, about everything to do with all of this. And uh, this is one of them. And that sucks because it's not funny. And uh, yeah, it's a good thing that that uh, juror is off of there because of course we want to get uh, a fair trial. And um, we'll see. We'll see if it's happened, if it's possible. Um, of course, Rittenhouse was 17 when he was accused of killing protesters, Anthony Hubert and Joseph Rosenbaum with his AR style semi-automatic rifle. So, that was a uh, that was just crazy, man. Mm. He's yeah. now he's eight, he's eighteen years old now, and the trial is uh, happening. It's going on. He is being funded. Speaking of the NRA and different groups of that ilk, they are supporting him. And uh, you know, it's just it's just very sad. And as I've said before, it's the definition of don't bring your guns to town, son. Yeah. Leave your guns at home because yeah. uh, his night would have not ended with two people dead had he not brought an AR-15 style gun to downtown exactly. Kenosha, Wisconsin to protest police brutality. Right. And of course he crossed <sighs> state lines to do that. So that is a whole another yep. uh, part of it. So, and, and again, as we talk about all the time, just be careful who you listen to and be careful who you follow because Donald Trump and anyone that encouraged that man to go do that is not freaking helping him. So uh, in the Ahmad Arbery case, we are also learning a couple of new things here. So obviously Ahmad Arbery was shot and killed um, by Greg McMichael. This is what he told. Uh, he, he told police he warned Arbery that he said, stop or I'll shoot your fucking head off. Mm. And again, Arbery was just uh, you know legally <laughs> running down the street. And uh, the older McMichael described trapping the 25 year old black man, quote, like a rat. And oh. um, yeah. So we'll uh, keep you up to date on what's going on there. Of course, it took 75 days to get charges right. against these three men because uh, they had friends in high places. And everyone, I guess, was just sort of like, yeah, that's what happens. <laughs> but because these people were so ignorant, so stupid, so self-centered and clueless, they filmed them doing it. Right. Talk about morons. Right. Well, and apparently there's an even longer cell phone video that they've entered into evidence. Uh, Roddy, Roddy uh, Bryant, the fellow filming, um, they've actually released the full expanded video that uh, that he was taking in and it follows them throughout the neighborhood. So. Oh, Jesus. Uh, yes. Georgia, uh, apparently it has an old citizens arrest law and uh, it has been overhauled since Arbery's case. And uh, that law required immediate knowledge of a crime or, quote, reasonable and probable grounds of suspicion of someone fleeing a felony offense. The defense argues that their clients believed Arbery was, quote, canvassing for valuables 
at the under construction home. Of course, trespassing is not a felony, but burglary is, and it can only involve the intent to take something. And there is no evidence that uh, right. there was, he didn't have anything on him. And it just seems as if he was hunted down and killed. And even if he Had would been. have yeah. uh, been stealing a couple of things from a construction site, it's not a death sentence. It's not a reason. And yeah. It doesn't matter. So anyway, we'll keep you updated on those two trials as uh, it's been a long time, man. Wow. It's taken a long time to get those two cases to trial and hopefully for the victims, families, there's some closure and um, some kind of healing because we need it in this country. All right. And just lastly, a super light story. Um, people are putting a bunch of uh, tobacco. You, you guys see this? People are putting tobacco, like <laughs> yep. um, the pouches. Yep. They're putting them in their buttholes. Uh, or in the oh. foreskin, too. Babe. Or in the foreskin, because mm-hmm. apparently it gives them quite a buzz. <laughs> so <laughs> you can do that later if you want to. <laughs> this is taking place in Scandinavia. The nicotine pouches, obviously, you're supposed to put them in your upper lip or bottom lip. But they're putting them in their butt, <laughs> in their buttholes and foreskins. And um, some people say that their nicotine cravings have disappeared, though. No. So yeah. it is it is working, um, but I guess it can lead to a damage and uh, lead to addiction Ooh. and a bunch of skin rashes and stuff. Um, so don't do that. Hey. Uh, you think it burns? I think it would. If I put it like a fun tingle, like a menthol cigarette or like a ooh, chili after, you know, I, <laughs> I think it depends if it's a menthol or not. <laughs> I mean, if you get the tobacco flavored, I don't know. You're just like the world's greatest prison dog. I have no <laughs> idea what happened. Um, of course, these pouches are also called snus. Snooze, isn't it? Snooze. Snooze. Yes, they're not supposed Snooze. to snus. Snooze. <laughs> now they're being used in their anus. Oh. There we go. Um, so don't do that. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah, according to uh according to a doctor, Charlotte Romer, they said uh someone had gotten they, they got real sick because they got drunk and forgot to take one out of the <gasps> They forgot to take out the nicotine pouch. Oh no! The next morning, he, the next morning, he woke up and his penis was red and very swollen and hurting. Oh! It was uh. the first and last time he tried it. Oh! So be very careful uh, wow. when well, sticking nicotine snus packets in your asshole or your penis <laughs> or your vagina. It seems like mostly men are doing this. Uh, you can mucus membrane, so I think you could use your nose and ears. I guess technically as well. Yeah. Oh, well, prolonged nicotine use can use uh, can cause a person's skin to age. And then so if you did want to have one of those old man dongers as gravity starts pulling it down, (laughs) maybe that would help it. Just rub, rub it all over. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Okay. Well, all right, everyone. There you go. That's the uh, that's the news this week. Um China also just just yeah, we'll we should talk about China. We'll talk about this on an on on a later episode, but China, man. Taiwan is in dire straits. And again, maybe we could have been talking about Taiwan, Hong Kong. There's a lot of stories. Lie by omission. Right. The Steele dossier. Three years of bullshit for fucking nothing other than the indictment of the person who who created it. Igor. I want to bring something up. How do you feel about them playing Dancing Queen for Colin Powell's funeral? I didn't know that they did. I'm fine with anything with Abba. I think it's he's dead though. And it's weird. No, I'm it's gonna say weird, it's strange. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I didn't know. Like that's what they put him in the ground to. Yeah, it was playing while well, like they put. Wait, they buried. <laughs> that Colin was his Powell. favorite song. I thought that was the gist. That's his favorite song. Colin Powell's favorite song. This is why I don't trust anyone who likes anything that's nice. <laughs> because then they always want to go invade Iran. <laughs> Right. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They Just got up. They got Afghanistan, but he wanted We're that run. Swooping in, blaring Abba, baby. Look <laughs> out! Here comes America. Uh, no, it's troubling. 
It's, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm having issues with that. I love ABBA, but not war. Yeah, <laughs> That's fair. That's totally fair. And I'll just point out, uh, obviously, uh, uh, we had The Good Liars on the other week. I watched oh, yes. their movie. Their new movie just released this week, The Supporters. Check it out. Very funny. Very worth the watch, everybody. Awesome. I'm so proud of them. Thesupporters.com. I'm so proud of them. Man. Too bad they weren't there to see JFK Jr. come back in Dealey Plaza. Uh, well, they met the guy that a lot of the QAnon people think is JFK Jr. Oh, um, there's a dude that they yeah. think is so JFK Jr. in a Metallica shirt. Like, literally. Yes. <laughs> God, the yeah. world is coming to a very strange place, isn't it? <laughs> anyway, stick some nicotine up your asshole and just bear with it. Okay, everyone. Thanks so much for listening. Hope you're doing well out there. Hail yourselves. We'll talk to you soon. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors, you can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Addiction plays hardball. He would hit me with these verbal attacks. I just said to him, I love you so much. You're such an amazing person. I can't take this ride anymore. It was the fact that dad made that sentiment and broke down. And years later, he told me it had a huge impact on him. Sometimes doing what's right for your loved one is the hardest thing to do. Karen is that right thing. Visit CARON.org slash lost. When it comes to listing your home for sale, everyone and their mom has advice. Oh, honey, who's going to want to buy this place on a cul-de-sac? It's literally a dead end. But for professional advice, a REMAX agent actually knows best. Let's start with a neighborhood analysis. I've been seeing lots of buyers looking to move here. REMAX is the most trusted name in real estate. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Based on 2022 Brand Spark American Trust Study. Each office independently owned and operated.